1: Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Chris Stemp here, and if you notice, I have a little more bass in my voice. Yeah, that's due to um, hanging out by a campfire for a long time last night and just inhaling carcinogens. Anyways, it makes for a good podcast coming in your ears. Um, So excited to have you with us for this week's episode. Before I get into it, Special shout-out for our brand-new Patreon supporter, Patricia. You absolutely rock. Thank you so much for all of you following us there and supporting us. We can't tell you how much we appreciate it, how much it keeps us going. And for those that are interested, look, I know what it's like to stop what you're doing. So if you find the time, we'd love it if you head to patreon.com smartpeoplepodcast and support us 2 bucks a month, 5 bucks a month get some cool perks, including ad-free episodes, and you get to ask our guests questions. I'm currently scheduling some more interviews, and Patreon supporters will know in advance who we are interviewing, and you can ask them anything you want. And as of right now, you are guaranteed to get that question asked, because we have a small Patreon base at the moment. So, Really excited to bring you our guest this week. He's such a well-spoken guy, and the topic is fascinating. I mean, genuinely, we spend most of the interview talking about how do you recruit a Russian spy? Where are Russian spies? Are they just living amongst all of us? It's genuinely like an episode of Homeland. And then we get into the topic of predicting people's behavior and why you might want to learn to do that. We talk a lot about communication, building trust, and much more. It's a perfect mix of entertainment, intrigue, and usefulness. We are talking to former FBI agent Robin Dreek. Robin entered federal law enforcement in 1997 after graduating from the U.S. Naval Academy and serving in the U.S. Marine Corps. He received advanced training in social psychology and in the practical applications of the science of relationship development. Eventually, because of all this, he rose to direct the behavioral analysis program at the FBI. After retiring from the FBI, he has gone on to write a number of books, including It's Not All About Me, The Code of Trust, and his newest book, which we're discussing, which is called Sizing People Up, a veteran FBI agent's user manual for behavior prediction. So really hope you enjoy. And again, just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. Tell your friends to subscribe. Literally last year was the best year we have ever had. I think we grew by 40%. I mean, this thing is taking off and it is allowing us to do things that we have wanted to do for a long time and you should see shortly. Reach out to us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. And if you like what you hear and want us to keep doing it forever and ever, patreon.com slash smartpeoplepodcast. Let's learn about spies and predicting human behavior as we talk to Robin Dreek about his new book, Sizing People Up, a veteran FBI agent's user manual for behavior prediction. Enjoy. Well, you've got this new book out, Sizing People Up. We're gonna get into that. But look, the reason people are clicking on this episode, first and foremost, is you deal with spies. I mean, that's what you've done for a lot of your career. You recruit spies. And so I would be remiss if I don't just start here. Tell us about your relationship with
2: spies. (laughs) My (laughs) relationship, well, I've retired a couple of years ago, so I don't currently have any relationships with spies. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But I always liken it to, I know I've said it a million times before, uh, I liken it to the hardest sales job on the face of the planet. Because my job was, you know, primarily to recruit spies, you know, which 99% of the time they're, they are foreign diplomats serving at diplomatic establishments in the United States. And they're tasked, you know, uh, with collecting intelligence against us for them. And so my job was to sell a product and my product I sold was American patriotism. And I'm trying to sell this product, which is not even a tangible product. It's a, uh, it's a service kind of um, to people that definitely, by and large, you not want to buy that product because they are working on behalf of another country. So that's the first challenge. The second challenge of you know a job of recruiting a spy is by treaty, it is generally illegal for me to approach and initiate contact with any of these foreign diplomats that are spies. So first challenge is they don't want to buy it. Second challenge is I can't even talk to my potential client. And so therein lies the the one of the great mysteries in life so how do you do that And so how do you actually recruit a spy and people think oh you use money you use coercion you know if you do what the russians do you blackmail them it's the furthest thing from the truth it's mm. nothing more complicated than everyone does every day in their life and that is you're trying to understand the priorities of others and you're trying to see if you have resources to serve those priorities and that's the same thing if you're in business you're trying to understand the priorities of your potential customers and you're trying to offer services and goods to service those priorities and so my job was really simple. My job was to try to figure out which of these individuals might have priorities, which aligned with ours. In other words, that maybe it's a dying wish of a family member or a father or a mother that their children wouldn't grow up under a, such a horrible regime or under an oligarch or whatever it is. And so they wanted to do something for their families in terms of safety, security, and prosperity, and it aligned with us. And so I mm-hmm. offered them services and goods, you know, that they'd, you know, they want to align with us, share their thoughts and opinions on what they're doing. And in return, I can offer them safety, security, and prosperity, in the United States, possibly. So my job is to figure out through the people that they're talking to and they're in touch with, that they're collecting intelligence from, you know, who might have those types of priorities. Wow. that It's funny that these
1: things actually do exist because most, I mean, 99.9 of us only see it in the movies. Yep. You know what I mean? And then when you just lay it out like that, makes complete sense it's actually kind of in line with what i imagined a spy to be um and how it goes down
2: yeah all the hooky spooky spice of dead drops fake rocks covert comms oh yeah it all goes on still today
1: you know what's funny we interviewed long ago one of our first this guy is name's bob Barron, and his job was essentially to make the masks that that people spies wear fb i don't know agency well, cia yeah cia wears yep um and he said, like, yeah, I mean, the stuff you see in Mission Impossible, he's like, I made that. And now yep. I met him. He became a friend of the family. Oh, cool. He now makes prosthetics for people because the the realness is you, you basically you can't tell. And so my point is, like, that was this eye opening thing for me
2: where, wait, we really do that? and we do. Well, it's funny too, you know, people think, you know, the real purpose behind that is, I mean, we, the FBI doesn't do it because we're always act you know, operating domestically here. So we don't do do disguises, but the agency, the CIA does it all the time. And the main purpose of it is not to fake or trick the person that they're interacting with necessarily. It's actually to protect their identities because if, if they're, if they're seen talking to a CIA officer, you know, they'll, they'll get killed.
1: I do remember one thing he said is one of the hardest tasks is to build something that looks real and then can be taken off in like five seconds. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So what they do is a lot of times as they're either going to a meeting or leaving a meeting, they'll start as they're rounding a corner or hit a bathroom or hit a store, they'll shed something to change their appearance within seconds. So that way, if someone is following them, they'll lose them immediately. Wow. Well, Again, this kind of getting off
1: track. Of <laughs> That's oh, right. It's all right. A question I have for you about what you mentioned about recruiting spies. You said how it's illegal, uh, essentially, to to try and contact them. Why would anyone put that as a law when we know that every country is actively trying to do it?
2: Well, it really comes down to you know where the you know the FBI was is the domestic security service of the United States. And no one wants their foreign diplomats, you know, whether they're a spy or not a spy, harassed by the local security service. So it's kind of an a, a understood courtesy that, you know, you can have official contact if it goes through proper channels and headquarters entities. You can certainly do it that way. But if you're going to try to recruit someone, you're not going to go through official channels and say, hey, we'd like to have a meeting with one of your officers so that we can actually try to recruit them. You know, right. so, so it's 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 an agreement. It's not just us. It's the same all over the world. You know, far domestic security services are not supposed to have direct contact interact with the foreign diplomats. It's got to go through official channels.
1: And this also reminds me of kind of how um, I don't know if the word would be ethnocentric. We can be here in the states, but this goes on in other countries, right? So oh, yeah. I'm assuming there are plenty of Americans that defect or whatever you call it, spy on us,
2: right? Eh, not, not exactly. Now, definitely. Okay. Also, the numbers that we have that we use for intelligence operatives overseas compared to what other countries have here, it's they outnumber us, you know, 100 to one. I mean, the, the, the number of, you know, as I worked Russia most of my career, the number of Russian operatives in our country far outnumbers what we have over there.
0: wait, wait, wait
1: explain that. Meaning the amount of people in the United States who are Spies are working for Russia
2: mm-hmm.
1: is much greater than Americans in Russia working for us. Absolutely. And these people are they just hiding in plain sight? Pretty
2: much, they're under diplomatic cover.
1: Explain that for me. So, wait, like, are these just citizens or are these people working in the government?
2: Yeah, mostly government. Absolutely. And those are the ones you're trying to recruit. Yeah, if we can recruit the ones that aren't. In government those are even higher you know higher stakes um, I mean a number of years ago um, I don't, a lot of people might remember they had that case with the 10 Russian illegals uh, Anna Chapman's probably the most famous of them because she was the good looking you know female Russian and yeah weren't they living in Arlington they were Arlington Boston New Jersey um, oh, okay. they're they all over the place and they were illegals. So uh, and the illegals not they were legal aliens they they call them illegals because they're illegal operatives because they are actually foreign spies without diplomatic cover. So actually if they were they could be arrested and charged with treason. That's what okay so
1: that's what I thought you were referring to. Yep. There's
2: not that many of them. We hope not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And do you, is part of your job ever trying to find them and, and convert oh, no, them? Absolutely,
2: absolutely. And the only way you really find them is to recruit one of the, one of the known officers that actually knows uh, who they are. Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Okay. <laughs> it just really is. It's just <laughs> a job. You know, it's so funny. Everyone's, you know, if you don't like anything, any job in the world becomes very, can become very mundane if you do it day in and day out for over 20 years. And so it's just, it's just another thing. That that can (laughs) become mundane. There's no way that becomes mundane. Uh, the thing that doesn't become I mean the knowledge of it is what becomes commonplace. The thing that changes up all the time is so i I liken you know success in this industry as like hitting lotto because you know the 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 chance and probability of us actually recruiting a foreign intelligence officer is very remote, but when you do right. it's like hitting lotto or mega millions because it's that beneficial and that rare. And it's, it's, it's tremendous for national security. And so I always liken it to my job every day was to buy a lotto ticket. So every day it's, you're looking at, you know, your individuals that are, you know, hopefully that, that are your potential people you're going to talk to that can help you, that are the foreign operatives. And you're trying to create operations surrounding them. And in order to do that, you can't impose what you think on them, you have to work with, with what they're giving you in their lives, and so every individual, you know, with different priorities, is creating different opportunities for you to create operations around it. And it's, and it's the same thing as sales. I mean, when you're trying, especially in the finance industry, you know, if you're if you're working with different clients and different customers with different needs, financial needs, financial security, insurance, all these different things, you're literally having a different approach with everyone because how that person defines prosperity and success in their lives and their priorities is going to be different from the next person. So you're, you're handcrafted and tailoring a package just for them. And it's the same thing here.
1: That's actually a fascinating analogy. I worked in commercial real estate lending for about five years. And when you do that, when you're lending, you know, 50 million, a hundred million dollars, every lender is providing almost an identical service. I mean, the rates you're talking are within, two, three, five basis points. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, the difference is we would have to build these relationships and know, okay, this person values, um, you know, just a straightforward delivery. There's no hiccups. This person values the lowest interest rate. This person needs flexibility. And that's the only way you're going to win anything because the competition is so small, so
2: narrow. Because what you did was you made it about them and not about you. Right, you know, and, and so this goes back to years and years ago when I got out of the Naval Academy, went in the Marine Corps. I, I was ranked last out of all these second lieutenants. I was dead last, 14 out of 14. I remember going on my major who rated me. I said, all right, sir, I'm humbling up. I'm doing something wrong. What am I doing wrong? And he says, you need just need to be a better leader. And I'm like, okay, thought I was. Thanks. Go, how? Yeah, thanks. And he goes, well, you need to make it about everyone else but yourself. And I go, I thought I was again. Okay, how? What exactly do I need to do? And he goes, I don't know, just do it. Well, Because what he was saying was you need to demonstrate value and affiliation to others and make it about them. Well, years later, I figured this out because I had to, and it's easy. If you build one of these four things and everything you say and do like you just demonstrated with these clients is you seek their thoughts and opinions. You talk in terms of their priorities. You validate their thoughts and opinions and who they are as human beings without judging them, and then you give them choices. When you do at least one of those four things and everything you say and write, the entire conversation becomes about them. Their dopamine starts flowing in the brain, oxytocin, you know, pleasure centers are firing. The genetics and biology is saying this person is trying to affiliate with me and he's valuing me. And that's who they want to align with.
1: And that's essentially whether you're doing it in a Fortune 500 organization or for spies. That's the the model you're following.
2: It's all the same. Or whether you're doing it with your children, neighbors, Mm -hmm. spouses. Yeah, I always love asking this question. I said, you know, think about the strongest relationships you have in your life. Take the Mm -hmm. first one. Think about during your last interaction with them. How often did that during that conversation? Did you actually make it about them by seeking their thoughts and opinions, talking in terms of what's important to them, validate them without arguing or being contrary in any way, and/or appropriate giving them choices? I say anecdotally, we do that roughly five to ten percent of the time with the people that are closest to us. I said, imagine a powered impact if you purposely did that one hundred percent of the time. And also, the key here also is. It's genuine and sincere. This is, this is a roadmap to how not to manipulate. This is a roadmap for empathy, to seek to understand, to, to build curiosity. Because as soon as you know any form of manipulation is even suspected in any way, shields are up, there is no trust, and the likelihood of getting it back is slim to none. So this is mm-hmm. all about having great congruence between the words you have and coming out of your mouth and the emotions that you're displaying inside. And the way you do that is having that curiosity about other human beings.
0: And now a quick word from this week's sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by Indeed.com. When you start your hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know if you've made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help create your shortlist of applicants fast. Also, add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicants' abilities. Their library of more than 50 skill tests ranges from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at indeed.com SPP and get a free sponsored job upgrade on your first posting. That's indeed.com slash SPP terms, conditions, and exclusions apply offer valid through March 31st, 2020. And now back to the episode. That congruence is such a great phrase. I know we were
1: talking a little bit prior to the interview and you mentioned how this wasn't necessarily something that came naturally to you. And I'm really interested on how you build it because from my perspective, and we talk about this in my family, My mom, ever since I can remember, she was always just asking other people about them, right? Like she she never made it about her. And she's just always had more relationships than, than she can even keep track of. That was kind of instilled in me. So it seemed fairly natural. My dad's different. And so what I'm curious is how do you build it if it's not your natural way of being in a way that is authentic and is not
2: manipulative? You just got to start out. That's why I came up with the code of trust. You, I told you before we started, you know, you know, this is my third book and my books and articles I've written are my manuals on how not to be the narcissist I was born to be because that type A personality that I have a heck, I went to the Naval Academy, Marine Corps, yeah. FBI, you know, that is one hardcore type A. And what I've learned when you're in a, like we were saying before, if you're in a, in a flat organization or you're in a in a position where your sales and you can't rely on convincing someone of something you got to focus on how can i inspire them to want to if you go in there with a hard charge and type a personality as i've seen in my own life you will fail majestically and i was i was surrounded by these these fantastic people that were you know like your mom and like my wife and and in my book there's a character called Jesse Thorne and you know and he's my best friend so this guy was my teacher mentor and guide you know we talk about how rare it is to actually recruit a foreign spy you know, if an agent gets one or is in part of one operation his entire career, that's a, that's a, that's a highly successful and unusual career. My, wow. my My teacher, mentor, and guide did it 14 times in his 21-year career. That's how awesome he was. Wow. And because he had the natural gift of leadership, he knew how to make it about everyone else, you know just by who he was. So my, my entire life has been dedicated to figuring people like that out <laughs> so that mm. it's, I, I love, I call it, I take in that subjective art form and make it in a paint by number for those of us that aren't born with it so that we can add it to who we are. Because I, 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 I deeply cared every time I wronged someone. If, if you know, I have a very snarky, quick-witted mouth, <laughs> and, <laughs> and being an extrovert from the Northeast, it's a, it's a, it's a big detriment. <laughs> and so, and so, but what always happened was every time I, I, I could tell I wronged someone, I really reflected hard. It's like, all right, what am I missing? What do I need to add to myself? Is I can't change who I am. No one can. You can't change your biology. You can't change your genetics. You can't change the. In- the imprint we have on our prefrontal lobe, you know, between the ages of nine and nineteen, as it's developing. But what we can do is we can add new behaviors to ourselves to mitigate the ones that are a little extreme. So, like the things I, I do now, I, everyone's always looking for, you know, what's an immediate action thing I can do when I walk away from this conversation? I said it's really, really simple. Start seeking the greatness in others. Number one, stop paying attention to what they suck at, and which is basically their insecurities. Because here's a, I got a couple golden truths in life. One we're all insecure about something. I guarantee it. Everyone's working on something because we're born perfect. The world messes us up for 19 years Mm. and we spend the rest of our lives trying to unscrew it. So Mm. we're all working on something. So stop looking at that and focus on the strengths because every human being, I believe, has strengths in something, whether it's personal, professional, I don't care, find it because just the act of doing that's going to set your mind differently. And the other thing is identify the three priorities that these people have, both personally and professionally. What's important to them? Because I, I call it you know this, this Toyota green tundra effect. Green tundra, yes, I bought a car. And I, we've all experienced this. You buy a new car, all of a sudden, you, you start seeing that same make and model everywhere you go. Mm. And so you give labels and meanings to things. So as soon as you give a label and meaning to what's, what they're awesome at and what their priorities are, your brain automatically, without even trying, is going to start seeing resources in terms of those priorities for those other people. So in other words, you're going to start automatically going down the road to be, being a resource for others. And then the big thing is, instead of judging, be curious. Curiosity, I think, is, is probably the best thing you can do to start undoing this judgmental side that people tend to have. Because if you're without it, you're right, it, it come, you come across as a creepy car salesman. Because you know the, the words come out of your mouth, they're saying the right thing. But the emotion you have is about, I'm going to take advantage of you and get as much money as I can. Yeah, People non-verbally pick up on that. That's why this congruence is so important. You know, one of the things there that I think uh, goes
1: before all of this is a belief that other people are amazing, uh, have something to to add, because I I find that too often people who do most of the talking, they feel like it's because other people actually aren't worth their time. You know, they know more. And so I, I find it just all comes. If you can believe there is something to learn and uncover in everyone That's the mindset that will naturally lead to the
2: behaviors you mentioned. It has to, because here's another guarantee in life. Um, People are always acting in their own best interest in terms of safety and security and prosperity for themselves and others. And if you're not talking in terms of what they think is in their best interest, in other words, their priorities, they're, they're, they're humoring you at best, you know? So if you're not, if you're not making it about them, they're not paying attention to you and you can't, and you can't sell that. So Again, this was nothing more than continued trial and error, you know so if you're if your job is to do this every day, you're either going to get better at it or get out. and I really and this comes down to that lead. I always wanted to be a really, really good leader. and the days, the earlier days that you know I Naval Academy and the Marine Corps where I started really understanding, wow, I was not naturally born doing this. I need to figure this out. It, it, it became you know a driving force in my life to figure out why do I suck so bad at this and what behaviors do I need to add? So it really comes down to an internal desire to want to be able to connect because here's the other thing. Here's the other guarantee i learned throughout this entire process, which is the most amazing. I spent most of my life and career as this type A guy trying to make myself look good to further my career, what I was trying to accomplish. I want to work the great cases. I want to recruit the spies. I want to get the great training. I want to get the right promotions. And I was so self-centered on me. Again, it wasn't that I was disregarding other people. I was just so cent- self-centered on, on what I was trying to achieve. I didn't realize at the time that I can't achieve any of those things without good, healthy relationships with others because they all – those things I'm talking about require others. And, and this is a golden thing in life, I truly believe. The end goal of everything I do is a good, healthy, strong relationship because anything in life you want to achieve or do needs a relationship. And so I'm always – that's what I become curious about because not one human being gets anywhere in life and achieves anything they're doing alone. You know, Because you you can have the greatest biology and genetics on the face of the planet, but without relationships, you might as well be a moron on top of a mountain by yourself because nothing can go without relationships. And so that's why I've learned – To focus on relationships first and foremost. I will never sacrifice a relationship to achieve anything anymore. It's, it's, there's nothing that's worth that whatsoever. Because then, because then what happens? You, you destroy your brand. And once you destroy your brand with one person, how do you think that goes? I never think about just that one person I'm interacting with. I'm thinking about how I just made them feel about themselves. Because again, Mm -hmm. it's not about how you make people feel about you. It's how you make them feel about themselves and if you destroy brand with one person, then everyone they interact with for the rest of that day, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to talk about what just happened negatively that Absolutely. day and your brand's destroyed. So even if the person that you're interacting with, whether you're trying to sell a product, whether you're trying to talk to your kids or whether you're trying to recruit a spy, even if at the end of the day they say, no, my goal is always to leave them feeling better for having met me. And how do I do that? I make the entire conversation about them and then I empower them with choice about whether they want to maintain contact or assistance or if they you know, want to move forward. And if not, I'm completely fine with it because what's my end goal? Number one, healthy relationship. Number two, open, honest communication and transparency because you cannot have a healthy relationship without that. And my third, this is my check in the block to make sure it's never, ever manipulative. That is, I'm an available resource for the success and prosperity of others without expectation of reciprocity. I don't do what I do for others and offer my resources in expectation of anything in reciprocity. When you do that, and that's a that's a motto of leaders, great leaders are resources for the success of their people without expectation.
1: It always irks me. And I, I go work with a lot of organizations when I hear like, well, we're going to, I don't know, give you a half day on Friday. And then it's like, great. But that means you have to get all your work done. You know, it's, it's going, well, then you're not giving me a half day. You're just making me work that time during right. the week. It's, right. it's, it's got a caveat to
2: it. You know, and yeah. so I don't have caveats. You know, I just don't. And the way you get around that is, you know, you just don't have an expectation because now ultimately will people want to reciprocate? Most because of reciprocal altruism. You know, we're genetically mm-hmm. coded to want to render assistance because ancient tribal man, you know, we're hardwired for survival. If you went ten guys went out on a hunt, One guy makes a kill, he comes back. We're hardwired. Everyone knows he's supposed to share because if he doesn't and gets sick, lame, or injured later on, he'll be left to die. So we are genetically coded to render assistance to a level of degree of which we have a relationship. And so if you're giving genuinely, sincerely, and without that expectation, so there's no hint of manipulation, but they have clarity on what your priorities are, either they're going to be willing to serve your priorities or maybe pass it along to someone else or not. And you know what? If you have a great brand, it doesn't matter because someone will one day. It's fine.
1: We interviewed a guy named Yuval Noah Harari. He wrote the book, uh, Sapiens. He wrote a book called Homo Deus. He is a brilliant guy. And his whole book is about humans, the evolution of it. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. He said, if you put one human on an island and one monkey on an island, which one will survive longer and better? Of course, it's a monkey. Okay. You put 10 humans, 10 monkeys. Who will outlast who? Of course, it's the monkeys. If you put a hundred of each, who will last outlast you? Who? It's humans, and the reason why why humans essentially have dominated is trust and cooperation.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: you will go to a dentist you have never met, and you will let them knock you unconscious and rip teeth out of your body <laughs> because of trust and cooperation. No other creature in the history of anything has done that. And that has allowed us to expand. And that right there proves to me why this is at the core of who we are and why we need to do this, because it is the only way we actually succeed. It's also what Brene Brown talks about with connection. So I just think all of this lines up and you have kind of put, as you talk about, a code to it, a process to it.
2: Yeah. I call it the elusive obvious. You know, when I give my talks to You know, they're expecting this counterintelligence FBI spy recruiter guy to come in and teach you how to manipulate and use great verbal judo on people and and use subterfuge, deception, pretext. I am the furthest thing from that. I never lie or deceive anyone. I'm straightforward because, you know, I always I always liken it like this because, you know, convincing someone to do something using those those tactics, you know, is going to get you maybe someone to cooperate with you with about 10% effort reluctantly. I always say this, I'd rather have seven people give me 120% of their effort willingly than 100 people give me 5% reluctantly any day of the week. And the way you do that, you got to make it about them. Healthy relationship, open, eyes, communication, and be a resource for them. Piece of cake. When you talk about recruiting spies, and I'm so glad
1: you said it, it doesn't happen very often because I was going, wait, what? Like, there's just people coming over here going, yeah, here's all our secrets, but- it's so few and far between. You know, when they say somebody comes here from Russia to and they're a foreign diplomat and they're coming here to serve their country, their mm-hmm. people. So in order to get them to change, to to really do a full 180, is it typically For their own selfish gain, or are you able to? Do you ever instill enough patriotism that they want to do it on like a global level? Um, I'll I'll
2: start at the very beginning. What you said, you know, if someone's uh, great rhetorical question to ask is, you know, so how do you recruit a Russian spy, or how do you recruit any spy? And I typically respond, you don't. It's it's already predetermined in their head that they're not happy with the situation and the priorities uh-huh. back home. And all my job is to figure out which ones aren't, you know, you're not going to convince anyone of anything ever. You know I mean? This, this, here's a great analogy, you know, to liken this to today's climate. We don't, you know, we'll talk politics without actually talking sides. We'll just say something like, say you watch CNN and I watch Fox news. That says everything right there, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. What's the likelihood I'm going to convince you of my point of view? Ugh. Zero to none. Yeah. And so- now, what I can do is I think in terms of how can I inspire you to at least want to listen to me. And so, so say you, you share your point of view with me, a natural human reaction we have is that's not, uh, not, that's not what I think. Here's what I think. And I, and I, and I talk at you, you're not going to hear what I'm saying. You're already thinking about how to counter it and all the BS it is mm-hmm. instead of how do I think of it in terms of how do I inspire you to at least want to listen? So inspiration is about the other person. That's easy. You share that thought and opinion. And instead of me countering it or arguing, I say, wow. I never heard it quite put that way before. Help me understand. How did you come up with that? Now I'm seeking their thoughts and opinions. Now they share their deeper thoughts and opinions. So I'm starting to get context. And now after they share their context, I validate it by saying, wow, you know, I never really gave it that much thought, but you gave me a bunch more to think about. I appreciate that. I'm curious. What do you think about this? Now I'm back to seeking their thoughts and opinions about the things I want to Tell them in the first place. What's the likelihood they're going to hear? They're going to hear every word I said because I I made the conversation about them instead of myself because I inspired Mm -hmm. them to want to listen. I always love this um, statement I use is, you know, you don't plant seeds with people by telling them what you think. You plant seeds with them by asking them what they think. And now a quick break for this week's sponsor.
0: This week's episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Have you looked at your wireless bill lately? You're probably paying too much. It's 2020. Network coverage is better than ever no matter your wireless provider. So why pay more for the same service? That's where Mint Mobile comes in. They can cut your bill down to 15 bucks a month for the same premium coverage. I know what you're thinking, this is too good to be true, but these guys know what they're doing. I've got Mint Mobile and honestly, I haven't noticed any difference from my previous service. In fact, I absolutely love it. Your old wireless bill pays for expensive retail stores and overhead. That's why Mint Mobile reimagined how you buy wireless and made it all online, and they passed the savings directly to you. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text plus crazy fast 4G LTE. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. So to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash smart. That's mintmobile.com slash smart. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash smart. And now back to the episode. Man, it just aligns so much with the things we teach
1: at Covey. I mean, habit five is seek first to understand, then to be understood. And that's what it is. And the, the, the issue or really the core of it is, That is how you influence people. It's the only way to influence people is to truly try to understand them and be open to what they say. That's it, the only
2: way. Yeah, and I I gave a little chuckle and giggle I apologize because um, I I've moved I've moved from words that seem to be even too self serving. So there's nothing wrong with the word influence, but I still think influence is too much about me. That's why, I, and we've said it already. I'm about inspiration yep. because inspiration yep. is about the other person. All I it's, try to yeah. do is all I try to do is the, the only way you inspire people to do things is. Help them discover what their goals and priorities are. Because a lot of times people don't know what they are. People are just reacting to the stimulus around them in life. And that's what great salespeople do. Great salespeople that are about their client and customer, they're not convincing them to buy their product. What they're trying to do is they're trying to help them unlock what their priorities and goals are by asking them what I call discovery questions. You know, it's like, all right, what are your your long-term and short-term goals? And help me understand, what do you have in place that's going to help you get there? A lot of times people have never thought about these types of things. And it's the same thing you know, in anything it's because now that's inspiration because I'm going to seek your thoughts and opinions to discover what your priorities and goals are. And I'm going to see if I can be a resource for you achieving those things or if I can provide other resources with other people for you achieving those things. Some people call it influence, but no, that's really inspiration because it's completely about them because manipulation. So many, I would like to find a manipulation so I make sure I don't do it. Manipulation is an attempt of control. Of thoughts, actions, times, and and words, you know, with use of subterfuge and deception. So how do you counter that? Well, I'm never trying to put my thoughts of what I think you should do into your head. I'm just helping you discover what what they are for you. What if you do
1: tend to fall on the side where you overtrust, overvalue, always listen, really never kind of assert, I don't even want to say your opinion, but your beliefs, even when they're asked. Do you find that, as much as you can be
2: overbearing, you can also be over trusting? Some people can. I think if if you don't maintain a good cognitive thought process during interactions and during relationships, you know, I never, fa- I have not found myself over trusting. Well, I, I, you're.
1: I mean, you deal with spies. That's the last thing out. No, because you
2: know, because I, you know, it kind of starts. You know, getting into you know the last book. You know, the book coming out is because mm-hmm. trust to me is trust is very subjective. I'm actually always go for predictability. Um, cause predictability now I can now reasonably expect what we're, what's going to happen in this situation. I can reasonably expect what's going to happen in the relationship because now I can predict your behavior, not like the things, exact things you're going to say, but you know, on a more macro level, I can kind of assess in what lanes in your life. Can we re- have a reasonable, good, healthy, wrong, strong relationship and what lanes won't we have this in? And so I generally, I, I tend not to give a blanket trust because that's, that's, that's just not saying, I mean, just think about it. I, you know, we, we, a lot of times we use the term liking someone to think we can trust someone. Well, I have very close friends. I have, I have great close friends in my children, my wife, my neighbors, you know um, we mentioned before, you know, one of the things I do is uh, I'm a private commercial pilot for general aviation. And one of the things I do is I volunteer to do angel flights, to take patients back and forth to different places that they can't get to on their own for money, financial reasons or whatever. Hmm. And so I'm a pilot. And if I got a great friend, but you're not a pilot, for me to trust you, to throw the keys to a plane at you, say, all right, go ahead, fly us somewhere. You'll get us killed <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because that's not reasonable, even though I trust you in these other lanes in life. And so that's why I'm, I'm, I'm very specific um, with different areas.
1: Yeah. The thing is, though, with overtrust, sometimes I'll find myself not thinking about what that other person will do with the information. So I found myself recently in a conversation with a colleague who asked, you know, where do you see yourself? Three, five, 10 years. And this was very kind of a general conversation. Mm -hmm. And I go on to explain how, you know, I'm entrepreneurial, I'm building this podcast and all these things. And then when I left the conversation, I realized, you know, that probably doesn't serve my work relationships because... How is that going to help me if they think I'm not going to be there in five years? And that in my kind of reflection just seemed like a, I don't know if an trust is the word, but almost a, um, maybe a lack of strategy
2: or tact. So I'll, I'll, ha- I'll give you a positive spin on that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I tend to, I tend to be very positive positive. and yeah. what you just displayed though is full transparency and openness. That's it. And so who are the most trusting people in the world? those that are transparent and open. And so if they're going to use something against you that you shared because you are open and transparent, then that might not be a healthy relationship to begin with. Yeah.
1: Maybe you're right. I mean, I didn't dig in that much because I do, I do trust the person immensely and and that's why it just came out. I don't know. I, I just think sometimes there are situations myself and I know others might get into where they might not think through it in advance and it could come back to bite them that open, honest transparency. Maybe not. You know, it,
2: I I'm a firm believer in the open, honest and transparency and and full disclosure of your own insecurities, uh, you know, sense of what I suck at, what I'm good at, but here's my program to overcome it. Because again, that's transparent and with lack of insecurities. And if I'm interacting with, remember, the whole goal is to interact with healthy, strong people, because if you start dealing with unhealthy, You're going to deal with crazy at some point, you know, and you're going to deal with situations that's going to start causing drama and nothing moves forward with drama. It's an energy drain. I refuse to do crazy and not crazy people because everyone's doing their own thing. I mean, my own brain of crazy. I don't do stress, anxiety, resentment, discontentment, because that clouds your ability to see the path forward and the path forward is always through people. And so if you're trying to achieve something a certain way with a certain individual, trying to get a certain thing done and you're beating your head against the wall, getting really frustrated or they're undermining you or whatever, that's your first sign of take a step back and and, and go to the other healthier relationships around you and say, hey, folks, good, healthy people in my life. Here's what I'm trying to achieve. Does anyone else have any ideas on how to get there? And what's going to happen? Pop, 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 pop. All these great ideas and all of a sudden you're moving around, getting to where you wanted to go with ease. Because of why healthy, strong relationships. That reminds me of I can't even remember
1: at this point so much um, you know advice that I've received that's so valuable, but somebody said, you know when you have good ideas, don't hold them in because it's not like your idea is so incredible that no one's ever thought it. Right. Somebody has thought it. It's not about the idea, it's about execution. Share those ideas and you'll be amazed at how many people are willing to help. And I've always just thought you're right. like what is the point of hoarding all these things? and never doing anything about them.
2: Yeah. Uh, my experience on that is exactly the same. You know, we talked before too, you know, one of my greatest friends, guides, and mentors in my life is a guy by the name of Joe Navarro, wrote the book, What Everybody Is Saying, wrote tons of books, international, nonverbal expert. And I remember years ago, because we were on the behavioral team together that I ran. And when I first met Joe, he, he was very adamant, always writing, always publishing. And he he's the first one that encouraged me to uh, self-published my first book years ago. And his mm-hmm. motto is always Robin. If you have a piece of information that at least one other person could benefit from shame on you for not getting it out to them. Wow. And I, I'm a firm believer in that. And the other thing that I, I quickly learned, um, because I became people when they first have content that is unique and they think other people can benefit from, and they're trying to make a profit off it in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, They think they need to be covetous of it and that, you know, they got to make sure that, you know, no one gets it. You can't have a copy of my presentation or you can't, but why? Because what I learned in this process also is no one can be you. No one can have, you know, because you're right. All these, many of these ideas, they're exactly the same, you know, because what every single, all these great leadership schools, all these great sales books, they're all coming from exactly the same place. Human beings are hardwired for safety, security, and prosperity, and acting in, in terms of that for ourselves and our families. And so everything springs from there and they want it all about them. And so how do you do that language? So I have my language and my techniques and and anecdotes I use from my background. And you have yours from yours. Covey has his from his. They're all saying Hmm. the same thing, but we frame it from our own backgrounds, probably for different audiences, but it's it's all doing exactly the same thing. So you don't have to covet it because everyone needs it. That's one of the best ways I've ever heard it put. And I just want
1: to slow down and make sure everyone caught that. This idea of if you have something that will help even one person to put it into the world. Too often, I think, especially in this position, having interviewed so many incredible people, I think, look, it's already been said. It's already been said by somebody smarter, faster, bigger, stronger, more successful, whatever. Uh, Why put it out there? But just to your point people will connect with you, right? People might listen to your message over somebody else talking about trust or behavior because they value your professional experience. Maybe they value just the fact that you worked for the FBI. Who knows
2: what, uh, but- Or they might not. They, they might like my like like... voice better. They might like your voice better. They yeah. might like, I mean, it, it, it's like, how do you get a message to as many people as you can?
1: Uh, one of the things I, I actually wanted to talk to you about Was your newest book, Sizing People Up, and the whole title, A Veteran FBI Agent's User Manual for Behavior Prediction. And you mentioned it a little bit. In the past, you've written about trust. We covered that. But behavior prediction sounds so – what's that uh, Mission Impossible, I think it was? (laughs) Or no, what's the one where – you know they're trying to predict who will commit a crime before it actually. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You remember that one? Yeah, anyway, yeah. Anyway, um, it sounds kind of like that, but I am very interested on what. What do you mean by this, and why would we want to put something in our lives where we're trying to predict people?
2: So it's funny when you read the title like that; it, it's catchy, and you're and you're waiting for the hooky spooky spy guy <laughs> to tell you how to how to read people and manipulate them from there. And it's it's nothing but further from the truth. So what I discovered when I was, when I wrote the last book, the code of trust and living the code of trust, basically, which is everything we've been talking about so far is what behaviors can I do and exhibit to make it about the other person, to inspire them to want to trust me and want to have a good, healthy relationship with me. And when, when doing that, you become so utterly focused on the other person. When I started realizing over time, the deeper I understand the other person, I can start really predicting what they're going to do because If I understand and learn what you think is in your own best interest, I now know what you're going to do because we're always going to act in our own best interest. And so here's the reason to do this, though. The reason to do it is to have a deep understanding of the other person so that you can keep that good, strong relationship. In other words, when you don't take time to figure out what you can reasonably expect another person to do, if you ask them a favor, you give them a task at work, if they fall short, what happens to your impression of them? You get angry, you get resent. In other words, all that crazy brain comes in again, and that starts ruining a relationship. I like to try to understand what I can reasonably predict you're going to do so I can set a bar appropriate for you in every separate lane. And now what's really good is since I spent so much time trying to understand you, you're either going to meet that bar or exceed it. And if you fall short, I spend so much time understanding you that that you must have another thing that popped in your life that made you go sideways. And so now I know I need to be a resource for your success and prosperity because something happened. In other words, you weren't doing anything to me. Something happened in your life. So the whole point of trying to predict behavior for me is to understand you at a deeper level.
0: And now a quick word from one of our great sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. There's a sense of pride that comes with being able to talk confidently, intelligently about a subject, or to be the only one at trivia with the answer. And that's why at Smart People Podcast, we love The Great Courses Plus. With this streaming service, we have the freedom to learn more about virtually any topic and not just get the basics, but truly master it. There's unlimited access to thousands of lectures on topics like biological anthropology, great music of the 20th century, even travel photography or Mediterranean cooking. And with the Great Courses Plus app, we have the flexibility to watch or listen just about anywhere. So sign up for the Great Courses Plus and download their app and check out the course outsmart yourself brain-based strategies for a better you. In this course, you'll explore how our brains work and scientifically proven brain hacks we can use to make lasting changes in our behavior. For example, you're more likely to follow through with long-term goals if you don't tell a lot of people. All right, so get that awesome feeling of pride that comes with knowledge. Sign up for the great courses plus. For a limited time only, Great Courses Plus is offering Smart People podcast listeners an entire month for free. But to start your free month trial, you must sign up today using our URL. Go now to the slash smart people. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash smart people. And now back to the episode. You mentioned
1: this before I hit the record button, and it's so fantastic. You said once you started writing, you had to put a pause on reading because you wanted to make sure it was your voice. Right. And so I'm curious, have you heard of, or are you aware of Malcolm Gladwell's new book, Talking to Strangers? Uh, saw it. I, did I
2: see all the titles? Yeah. <laughs> I did not read it, but yes. which
1: Yeah, and I understand why. I mean, I it's the same reason why I try not to look too much into somebody before I have them on, because then I'll just start talking out of their book. And it's funny because- a lot of what he talks about is um, how bad we are at reading people and how, oh, yeah. you know, how we will assign assumptions. I do this. I'll, I'll be teaching a workshop. I'll see somebody straight faced. I'll go up to them and I'll say, Hey, you're right. You know, cause I think they're mad at me or something. They go, yeah, I'm just really deep in thought. And I go, man, my, <laughs> my read of this was so far off. Did you encounter that a lot professionally, or is that something you have to work your way around, this knowledge that we will assign maybe our own biases to people and and it won't give us the real behavior prediction
2: that you're talking about? Absolutely. Um, yeah, we human beings love to use um, this great thing called intuition, and intuition can can fall really flat on you for the exact reasons you mentioned. You know, if someone has, you know, natural sitting angry face, you know, meanwhile yeah. they don't actually aren't angry. This is just the way they think cognitively or, or, or think thoughtfully or actually just listen intently. Um, a lot of these things can set people off because their intuition says, oh, don't trust them or don't like them. And as soon as you sign a subjective emotional symbol to someone, that's going to skew your ability to objectively reason through actions. And so once it's assigned, you know, I, I love using, you know, what I've done recently. You know, people ask me about President Trump. And I never, ever give anything political because half the world will yell at you or not yell at you <laughs> because it's so emotional. And here's why it's so emotional. You know, I know everyone's got these theories on why the country's so divided and it's all Trump's fault. And I actually agree. And here's why. And it's not political. I think he, you know, this is just anecdotally. Don't have evidence. Because he doesn't inspire trust. Can we just throw that out? (laughs)
1: I'm
2: going to go. Actually, I'm not even going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the reason why it happened like that. Because I think he was probably the most well recognized individual to ever run for president prior to him running because of his media, because of his companies, because of his books, because of his. So everyone before he even ran for president. More people in the United States than any before either liked him or didn't like him. And here's the guarantee. If you start out not liking someone, you're not going to like anything they do. It's very, very hard to look objectively at what he does if you don't like him. And and conversely, if you like him, you can't objectively see what's working or not working. You're going to think everything's good. And so that's my theory anyway of it started there because he was so well known and so polarizing just in his personality prior to running for politics.
1: Mm -hmm. Here's the problem, though. Like, here's the problem. This is you have hit on multiple times in this conversation the exact reason why I still do this podcast. Now we started it because we wanted to find careers we enjoyed, but why we still do it is because there needs to be honest, genuine conversations that help people form a better sense of this world so we can make better decisions. Mm. I'm just a huge believer in that. The problem I'm fighting against though, especially in this political system is people's lack of willingness to change. Like we now have put flip-flopping as the evil term for just, in my opinion, gaining new information and changing our opinions based off of it. That's not flip-flopping. That's being an intelligent person. So how do we get
2: back to sanity? Um, Maintain cognitive thought. Like for me, it's making sure and asking yourself, is what I'm about to do or not do going to help or hinder a healthy relationship? And am I being open to new ideas, being curious? You know, I I have a great friend of mine. Um, He is, he's, he's a, engineer. He's a West Point graduate. He's a flight instructor. He's the one that taught me how to fly. He's uh, more senior to me. And he's this, this cognitive, thoughtful guy. And anyway, he lives my code of trust and he lives the sizing people up. And I, it's, he's fascinating because I would think that a guy with, that's an engineer with this really structured, organized brain that really comes to conclusions based on facts and logic. And, and once he locks in on something, he'll be inflexible. I have never met anyone more flexible in my entire life. I mean, mm-hmm. he gave me this example um, yesterday. I had, you know, we go to the gym together, and, and he couldn't make it the other day. And he said, "Yeah, because I was on the phone with his boss, the owner of the the flight company where he works," and he told he's telling him why he wanted to hire a new guy, and was and he had all his reasons. I mean, this guy's been doing this for thirty five years. He's very experienced. He's hit. hit Owned his own company in this area. Anyways, he's explained it to the owner. And the owner then came back with why he didn't want this guy hired. And after a 10-minute conversation, my friend Jim says, huh, you're right. Made a lot of good points. I don't think we should hire him either. And I just looked at him. I said, I'm amazed. I'm totally amazed at you that you can do that. And he goes, well, I always go into every situation knowing that someone might have a better idea. And I listen Mm. to all those ideas and weigh them out with the objectives they're trying to achieve. Wow. You just reminded me of, we interviewed a guy and I, I, I'm
1: blanking on his name, but he was a professor of ethics. He wrote this really incredible book about ethics and I'll never forget. He said, I try not to have opinions. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes ever. And I was like, wait, what? And (laughs) he was like, what's the point? If I have an opinion, I go into a conversation with something already in my mind. And I said, well, what about when you go vote? And he said, well, when there's times that I have to make a decision, I will take all of the information up to that point and make a decision. But other than that, why carry them around? And look, if that's not a paradigm shift for the vast majority of people, I don't know what is.
2: And and I'll tell you, I had exactly the same thing. That's why I had to do it, too, because every time a a conflict in the world would break out, um, especially Uh when I worked in New York City. Our job was they immediately handed out every single individual that immigrated, either was uh, on a visa, immigrated, green card from that country, and we had to go interview them. Wow. And, if you, and if you go knock on a front door with, with a preconceived notion of what you're going to see and who you're going to talk to, shields up, you're going to fail. And if your job is to protect national security by developing relationships, if you, if you go in there judging, I guarantee you it's going to happen. And so mm-hmm. you, you start developing muscle memory on just being open. It. And like you said, curious, because I, I, I mean, I remember when um, the war in Iraq broke out. We had to interview every Iraqi in the United States. And I, you know, I'm in New York because I was still in New York at the time and I had never met anyone from Iraq. And so I went in, I went in thinking, all right, I'm going to, you know, this is Muslims. So I'm going to read the Quran, try to catch up, see what this is all about. Mm-hmm. I met more Christians than I met Muslims. Wow. You know, I didn't understand, I didn't even know that the Baths, the Bathists in in Iraq were, you know, Christian and that actually Saddam Hussein trusted them more because he trusts Saddam Hussein, according to them, trusted the Bathists more than he trusted his own Muslims. And I was like, Huh. I never would have known that. I mean it's just because again, that, that that's what gives you that curiosity is like, how does someone else see the world through their context? You know, mm-hmm. because it's all different and there's no right or wrong. There just is. And yeah. Because a guarantee if you if you judge in any way shields up no communication, no trust, no relationship and no growth, no personal growth. Look, if That's you go not. into something,
1: you know, if you go into any conversation, interaction with really the ultimate goal of coming out a, a better person. Right. And that could be financially, morally, whatever. The only way you're going to do that is expanding your thought universe. Absolutely. And, you know, and even if it is the person you end up talking to is the, the terrorist or whatever it is. You wouldn't uncover that if you went into it with that mindset. I completely agree. I know we have to let you go, Robin. I really appreciate you being on the show. We've we've covered you know a number of your books. Your newest one, again, sizing people up: a veteran FBI agent's user manual for behavior prediction. Uh, before we do let you go, I have one uh, kind of quick bomb of a question. You can just answer it as fast as possible. Okay. Um, how do you feel about our current relationship with
2: Russia? And how different is it from when you were in the FBI? <laughs> it's not different at all. So really well, he, here's here's how here's how you regard Russia. So since World War II, Russia's primary modus operandi was that the United States and NATO allies were the number one enemy. So the fall of Soviet Union and now Russia came along. And so that was their motto before this, you know, during Soviet times was United States and NATO allies were Primary enemy number one. So since the fall, you know what's changed. Now they call us primary adversary number one plus NATO allies. There has wow. been no change whatsoever. I mean, the funny joke I always talk about: I came in the bureau in nineteen ninety-seven. Guess who was president? Putin. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point. So that's a great point. There's been no. And so all the things they've done to try to undermine elections, you know, the things they call active measures. Yeah. They've always done it. This has been right. done for 50, 60 years. You know, all it's changed is technology. Like when I was in New York, they used a newspaper called Novoruskoe Slova. You know, it's based on, you know, based out of Brighton Beach, you know, and they used pamphlets, they took ads and papers, you know, so they used paper media, maybe some television ads here and there to try to influence, you know, people, you know, right. they give lectures at universities and now since the internet and social media they're just doing the same thing using newer technology. Nothing, wow. their their desire and attempts have not changed. Their abilities have changed with technology. That's all.
1: Wow. Well, thank God we have people like you and your colleagues out there trying to, you know, at least on behalf of, of an American, trying to keep us safe. Although this is a global show. And so anybody listening who wants to write in with a different opinion, smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Robin,
2: again, love um, different opinions. Cause none of them are wrong. They're, exactly.
1: I, that's why, exactly. I mean, look, that's why I, I truly mean it. Thank you so much for your time. I want to let you tell our listeners more, you know, where are you, what would you like people to do? Website, Twitter, all that good
2: stuff. Sure. Easiest thing for me is the website. It's called a uh, www.peopleformula.com all one word people formula on there. You got links to my books. I have a free online course. Another one's coming out. Um, Probably another week or two. That's gonna be that's gonna be a four feet one. I got lots of videos of me doing keynote speeches on there. Uh, numbers of podcasts. You know, as soon as I get yours, you'll be on there too. Absolutely. And and it's, it's, you know, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, it's at rdreke, R D R E K E. I'm on LinkedIn, and here's the thing: you'll never get on any of my stuff. I there is not one political posting on anything. Mm. I am, I am about pure science and how you develop good relationships. Hey, what's your free course on? Let's plug that thing. People will want to go check it out. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's uh, the 10 Techniques to Quick Rapport. So my first self-published book that came out within 2010, uh, I have 10 Techniques to Quick Rapport. And it's a short little course, probably about taking about 20, 30 minutes, and it covers the content of the book. So you can take that. I got a, I got some exercises in there you can do to learn on your own. And there you go. So that link to that's also on the website. Again, and that website is? PeopleFormula.com. Peopleformula.com. Great. And, and I have a newsletter. And I have a newsletter as well. So if you sign up for that, you'll get all the updates. That's awesome. Well, everybody wants to learn from somebody
1: who's been working with spies. I mean, come on, let's <laughs> be honest. It's just you have one of those cool jobs. Well, again, Robin, thank you so much for your time, for sharing all your wisdom and knowledge. We really
2: appreciate it. Me too. Thanks for being such an awesome host.
0: That was Robin Dreek. I hope you enjoyed that interview. Robin's book, Sizing People Up, a veteran FBI agent's user manual for behavior prediction is available wherever books are sold. Check it out. This is a good one. Robin's a former FBI agent, and he shares a simple but powerful toolkit for assessing who you can trust and who you can't. As always, thank you so much for downloading and listening to Smart People Podcast. If you could tell a friend, a family member, that would be amazing. And if you can leave us a review on whatever podcast app you listened to the show, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Stitcher, whatever it is, please leave us a rating and review. And if you'd ever like to reach out to this show, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. I know I've said it over and over, but you can always find out what's going on over at smartpeoplepodcast.com and by signing up for the newsletter. And if you'd like to support us financially, you can always head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash smartpeoplepodcast. All right, that's it for us this week. We've got a lot of great interviews coming up. So make sure you stay tuned and we'll see you all next episode.